Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Daily Playbook. I'm your host, Carl Vogley, and today I am joined by Mitch Lang. He is going to be co-hosting this week. We're going to give it a trial run, but I think it will go swimmingly. But today is Monday, May 6th. Hope you enjoyed your Cinco de Mayo. Hope you had way too many margaritas like I did. But now it's time to get to the real talk. But before that, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by PJ's Appliance Outlet. PJ's Appliance Outlet is located in Plymouth, Minnesota. They are also online at pjsapplianceoutlet.com. You get 40 to 70% off refrigerators, stoves, washers, dryers, dishwashers, all the time. I don't know how else to say it. It's all the time. It's not this special, boom, Cinco de Mayo sale. No, this isn't all the time sale. So head on over to PJ's Appliance Outlet. Get yourself a new scratch and dent floor model in your home and start cooking stuff the right way with a brand new stove. But now we will get into today's episode. Mitch, what are your initial thoughts of today's Um, Game of Thrones episode? All right. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you, Carl, for the honor of co-hosting your your show. Uh, honestly, never thought I was going to get this opportunity. So, like I said, thank you. Um, but my initial thoughts on the show today were, I mean, I think we all went into it um, kind of knowing that it was going to be a slower episode. Um, we're all kind of building up towards the final two episodes of the series, and um, like I said, with how how much how action packed last last episode was. Um, you know, it was, there was nothing going to be kind of even close to that this episode, but I thought there were some, some good parts in it. Um, but I do have to say in some respects, um, there was a couple of things that I don't know if it was just, I didn't understand. And, you know, the last two episodes are going to explain it a little bit better, but I can't help but feel a little bit disappointed at points of the show. What points? Uh, mainly just kind of how brief um, some of the the things that happened were. Like the whole Jamie and Brienne thing. Um, I mean, I think I speak for everyone when, when I say that the last three seasons, I have been pulling for my man Tormund so hard. Like, <laughs> I wanted him to have them giant babies. Like, that's all I wanted. And yet, I mean... Yeah, I understand that Jamie and Brienne like had like a blossoming friendship and and at times there may have been I mean, I guess you can call it a little bit of sexual tension, but I guess I just didn't see it coming. Um and then just the way that it seemingly ended so quickly, I don't know, I just I, I guess I was just a little bit disappointed with that. Is it kind of like a life lesson that no matter how compatible two people are, if a dime and Jamie used to be a dime. He's a little bit older now. If you're super compatible with someone and you have those same similarities and you feel like you're going to work out, but along comes Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer, just this goddess, excuse me, just this God, not a goddess, (laughs) just this God, these long locks of hair and women just swoon over him. I think if I was in Brienne's shoes, I would have done the same thing. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, looking from her perspective, how could you not? Especially considering, you know, your first time and all. um, It's obviously probably 
I mean, let's just be honest. Do you think Brienne has prob- has ever had feelings for anyone in that way before? Don't you think that's part of the reason why she's probably never had that experience before? I, I think her priorities have been on so many other things aside from that. And then just due to her stature and the way that people looked at her, I don't know if she ever thought it was going to happen. So, like you said, first of all, that it was even happening for her. And second of all, that was ha- happening with someone, I mean, like you said, as as high up as a Jamie Lannister as far as like, you know, dashing good looks and and as far as, you know, what he is, like, I don't think she could have ever turned him down. Why would she? Right, and obviously she didn't. No, she didn't. But let's start at the beginning of the episode. We got to the Jamie and Brienne part already. But let's talk about the beginning. All of a sudden the Winterfell trenches are just gone. They disappeared. Filled with snow, something. But they're burning the people who they lost in the battle, supposedly half of their army. It did not feel like it was half of their army out there, but we never really see all of it. But I really like the touch they gave of Sansa lighting the torch where Theon was and putting that little Stark emblem on him. Arya with Beric, because Beric saved her life in the hallways last episode. Danny lighting Jorah's and John lighting Lyanna's who's kind of helped push him to be an even better leader. Yeah, I, I can't deny. I I liked each and every one of those. Um, and to be honest, I think the most heartfelt one for me was the Sansa lighting it for Theon um, and putting a little Stark emblem on it because, God, I love Theon. And I said it last episode, and it's not just love and Theon. I just love the character development of Theon and how in his, his dying days, you know, like his last moment, he he took the he took Winterfell from from Bran, and he I mean he died for Bran, and I think that kind of solidified himself as you know, as being back to being a Stark and being recognized that you know what like even though, you know he was, you know three Theon Greyjoy like realistically like you are who you grew up with and. He was a Stark through and through at the end, and I think he really showed in, in, you know, in the last episode, and I thought it was just very fitting that Sansa kind of put that emblem on him. Yeah, I, I did too. It was a perfect character arc for him and finish, and obviously there was there were some theories out there that said that, oh, I don't know if Theon's really dead because we didn't see him fully die. Now we know Theon is gone. But after they do the the burning and the celebration of their lives, in a sense, they go into Winterfell and they start celebrating. And you see everybody having these conversations and celebrating the war. And you see Brienne and Jaime and Podrick, who needs to be more involved in these episodes, and Tyrion (laughs) sitting around playing a drinking game. And you see Jon talking with the wildlings and them being like let's celebrate and he says yeah. vomiting is not celebrating and Tormund looks at him and goes yes it is <laughs> once again I'm my man Tormund but you see all these people celebrating and then you just see Daenerys sitting there by herself like who are my people yeah I mean that was I don't know I think that was kind of a start to a theme in the in the entire episode, if I were to say so. Um, I think, like, this episode, um, whether the writers tried to or not, obviously they're, 
these guys have to be just so smart. But at the same time, like, I felt like, I don't know, like this entire episode, the overarching theme was like try, to try to get us um, to start thinking of Daenerys as somewhat in the same breath as the Mad King. And I don't know. I'm not saying that she's unraveling as far as who she is. And obviously she's been through a lot and she's she's done a lot for the better humanity instead of just taking everyone out. Whenever, and when that's exactly what she wanted in the beginning. But at the same time, I feel like the writers are were attempting to start to make us in a, some way or another kind of start turning on Danny. Um, and that's just my opinion. It's she's almost like distancing herself now. And it's almost like the writers want us to see her distancing herself um, in some ways or another. Yeah. When it comes to, though, calling her the Mad Queen, all you have to do is look at the person who's in King's Landing, the person yeah. who blew up the Sept of Baylor, basically killed the entire Tyrell family. Well, she did, eventually getting getting Lady Tyrell. And then the end of the episode, killing one of the biggest sweethearts in the entire show oh man and then she brings um, in she brings in all these innocent people into the red keep like oh yeah come we'll keep you safe actually i'm just using you so that if she gets the throne she would have killed all these innocent people yeah so if we want to talk mad queen we already have one i'm hoping oh. better minds prevail with with danny but i guess we'll have to wait and see Two more episodes left. Yeah. But, but but once again, like I you know, the thing about Danny and, and, and the reason why, like I said, I was kind of disappointed, the fact that the writers are almost attempting to 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 distance ourselves from Danny is kind of like seeing her as this, you know, the savior of all people. Like, let's just be honest, like Daenerys, like she saved the North. You know, she saved humanity and lost like a great deal in the process. And she didn't have to do it. Like she could have nope. like Sir saved the world to death, but she knew like joining the fight for humanity was the right thing to do. I mean, so can you really blame her? It's like, you know, Cersei brought all those people into the Red Keep, like, and Daenerys, like, we're supposed to get a little kind of edgy about the fact that she said, you know, kind of whatever happens, happens. Like, are we really, can we really blame her? Like, I, I really can't blame her. No, I mean, like, I don't I don't blame her either. The thing that I don't get is this little feud that Sansa has with her, like questioning every decision she makes and never trusting it. And after they make their battle plans, she's like, well, Arya goes up to him and goes, we need to have a word to say, like, we don't trust her. She's not one of us. And John's sitting there like, uh... <laughs> Have you seen what she's done? Like, we would be dead if it were not for her. I'm sorry, but the Stark sisters, they're setting records for ingratitude with every passing episode to me. I mean, as much as I like Arya, and I mean, I think Sansa is obviously a great character, but like I said, I think they're just setting new records for ingratitude every time we see them. So we saw with Arya, Gendry was named the Lord of Storm's End, where the Baratheons are hail from and he gets down on a knee and proposes to Arya and I just knew right away when she kissed him I was like that's a no and then she says you'll be a wonderful lord and any lady would be lucky to have you but I'm not a lady I never have been that's not me we're gonna flash back 
We're going to flash back all the way to season one when she's with her dad in King's Landing. And he tells her that he says, you will marry a high lord and rule his castle and your sons shall be knights and princes and lords. And she responds and says, no, that's not me. She's the same person as she used to be. Those aren't her goals in life. Those aren't her aspirations. She knows what she wants. And it's to cross off another name on her list. Yeah. And I mean, who knows? You know, after that, I mean, you never know what happens. Obviously, people change. And I mean, she's still so young. But at the same time, at this point, I mean, we've seen nothing to even indicate that that's something that Ari even thinks about. And I think, obviously, last last episode with with how high tensions were and the thought about, you know, I might die today. Like, I think you just come to the point where you're just like, you know what? Like I, there's, there's always been this or that, that I wanted to do. And in the moment, I think she at least wanted to try it, but I don't think that changes her outlook now, especially now that they, they got through the long night. Like, I think it was just kind of a one and done thing for her. She's done it. She said she did it. And I don't think she really wanted anything else, even though she has a lot of respect for him. Yeah, she just wanted to try it out. Brienne tried it out, and then she clearly did not want Jamie to go. As she's standing there in a bathrobe, screaming at him, saying, stay with me. I mean, sometimes, like I I said before, if there was anything I was disappointed with, like, I thought the whole Jamie-Brienne thing was just a little out there. Like, obviously the show, like, did a pretty good job of building up their friendship. and, And, yeah, like, there was always, like, a sense that's, you know, on some unspoken level that Brienne loved him. But, like, what they had to me, like, was a little something deeper, like, kind of just like a, more than love, it was like a hard-won respect. And, like, now that they're, like, kind of, we're romantically involved, like, even though, like, when I first saw it, I was just like, whoa, like, you know, like, I wanna get physical, physical, like, really, like, just being romantically involved was just kind of like an awkward whirlwind and, I think it was just like a almost like a plot device designed to make it seem more painful when Jamie returned to Cersei. Like I think really that's what it was more aimed at than anything. Yeah, I'm really curious to see where Jamie is headed exactly as he's as he left and hopped on a horse and just took off for King's Landing, knowing that evil that's inside Cersei, who we're gonna call the Mad Queen. Yeah, she's definitely the Mad Queen. But speaking of speaking of Mad Queens and Daenerys, she tells Jon to keep it a secret between them as they're making out, and they're about to get it on, aunt and nephew Targaryen style. Keep that, keep those bloodlines pure. And she is begging him to not say anything to anyone, because if he does, her shot at the throne kind of goes out the window. She saw at the party how everybody moves towards John, and they love John, and he gives his heart and soul on the battlefield for him, and they trust every decision that he's made. And because in the past they've questioned it, and it's turned out like, oh, yeah, this guy was looking out for us. He was making the right decisions. And she's like, if they find out, I'm done for. And then you see later, Lord Varys says, there's eight people who know. John, Danny. Lord Varys, Tyrion, Bran, Sansa, Arya, and Samwell. 
Yeah, I mean, let's just say this about Jon Snow. Jon Snow, I know, is has to be the top, has to be in everyone's top three as far as characters go. But has there ever been, like, a dumber, smart guy in the history of television? Like, he knew enough to bring Daenerys on board to, like, you know, help destroy the Night King. Um, and he brought the Wilding South for the wall, from the Wall for similar reasons, um, I would, which obviously costed himself his first life. Um, I mean, there's no arguing that he's... I mean, he's kind of a visionary um, in the world of straight thinkers, but... I don't know. I think it has something to do with him being raised to Stark. It's like, oh, I mustn't tell a lie. Um, but there's telling a lie, and then there's being strategic by holding on to sensitive information for more than 10 seconds. Like, will the guy ever learn? I mean, and of all people he could have told, he told his sisters, which, once again, like I said, they're just so... the the amount of ingratitude towards ter, towards Daenerys for what she's done for them, like, is just, just blows my mind. But that's just kind of how I felt about the whole thing. Yeah, and and so he tells he tells obviously Arya and Sansa in front of Bran, who I don't know if we'll ever see in another episode with only two left, and it's going to be a battle <laughs> next episode. But he tells them, and then you see him say goodbye. To Sam and Gilly as he's headed off to battle and obviously we saw Sam in the long night the last episode he's not meant for battle so him and Gilly are going back to Old Town I believe and John can just tell that Gilly's pregnant just the way she looks everything and then, and then she's like yeah yeah and Sam goes well John you know there wasn't much to do in Old Town and Gilly's like I'm sure he knows how it happened, Sam. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from this episode is Sam, am, Sam just being typical man, Sam. Sam, like, you know, there's not much to do, so. <laughs> yeah. And Gilly's like, exactly. please don't talk about this. He knows how it happens. <laughs> That's it. Also, we want to name this kid after you. And John, in his humble way, he goes, hopefully you have a girl. Yeah, exactly. But hey, shout out to my man Sam. Uh, found the love of his life, you know, following through with it. I couldn't be happier for that guy, to be honest. Like, like Samuel Tarly a lot, man. And I, I got nothing but respect for him. And I mean, I that I think that whole kind of conversation was just kind of funny to me. But like I said, I'm I'm really happy for Sam. Yeah, I love these episodes where they put in a little humor with like the the heaviness of these episodes because they are heavy it's a lot of a lot of moving parts that you're like really focused on paying attention like okay what's happening here what's happening here and you get that nice little laugh and you're like okay thank you i needed that but then yeah. one of my other favorite parts is somehow Braun sneaks into winterfell and finds <laughs> jamie and Tyrion talking about jamie's time with brienne and just typical Braun fashion. Like, I, we talked about it. We never expected him to shoot an arrow at either of them. He did shoot one, but he purposely missed. And this man has played his cards so well from the beginning of Game of Thrones to end up where he is. He's either getting River Run or he's getting High Garden. 
Yeah, but but let's just be honest, okay? I I in a in a sense, it's not saying I disagree with you, but I thought that scene was kind of like anticlimactic. Like, was he really going to kill Tyrion and Jaime? Like, but basically, it's just him, you know, being a you know what, just to have him make like a promise that they obviously can't keep. And it's just something they had to say when they're at the other end of a crossbow. Like, can you imagine, like, Tyrion trying to convince Daenerys to make Bronn Lord of Highgarden as a reward for not assassinating him? Like, think of how that conversation is going to go. <laughs> like, it's going to be I interesting. Like, like I said, it was just anticlimactic for me because in the long run, like, if... Like if the North wins and if Cersei and if Cersei goes down and Daenerys becomes a new queen, I just don't think there's any way that just because he didn't assassinate Tyrion that she's just gonna give him high guard. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean another part of that scene that I really like though was when Tyrion just keeps talking, as he always does, and Bronn's like, Say another word, I'm gonna hit you with my belt. And he's like, You won't ugh. And just gets whapped. And he's like, you broke my nose. And Bronn's like, no, I didn't. I've been breaking noses since I was your size. Yours isn't broken. He said, I know what it sounds like. That was so slick. (laughs) I've I've honestly missed Bronn because he has such a dry and witty sense of humor that, like, I feel like it's, it's part me minus all of the words he likes to use along with it. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think his um his character is even even more amplified around Tyrion and Jamie. I mean, two people who who he fought for, you know, and and like I said, I mean, how many funny funny scenes have we had throughout the series that included, you know, Bronn and Tyrion or or Bronn and Jamie? Like he's always good for a little bit of humor and he and it's just like he always had he's like he's always just so quick with his retort sometimes and it just kind of makes you chuckle exactly humor is a huge part of any show and even when i'm watching like a a super serious movie i want a few jokes thrown in whether they be super dry or not just to kind of lighten the mood and and keep me going because i don't want to get too down watching a serious movie no i totally agree with you i mean i think you know you need a bit of comedic relief um just as sort of a balance and that's one thing i think the writers do like a great job of in this series obviously it's just and, it, and obviously you know it's a, everything is amplified because it's season eight and, and like you said previously like everything is just so heavy at this point that i just feel like we kind of need it we do we do but on a serious note everybody's leaving winterfell they have the troops they're headed out and you have Daenerys going with her dragons and the fleet, and you have Jon Snow and the Dothraki and some others going up the King's Road or down the King's Road, whichever direction you want to call it. And they get ambushed by Euron Greyjoy, and you see her flying. And at first I was like, she can't see over the wing. Is Jon on Rhaegal, who I didn't even think was alive after last episode? But just goes to prove... You need to make sure you see someone fully dead before assuming they're dead in the next episode. And Rhaegal had a lovely 32 seconds on the screen before he gets hit 
by three biggest arrows I've ever seen, titanium, whatever you want to call them. And that man goes down and took one straight through the jugular. Oh, my gosh. I mean, those arrows were surgical. It was, oh, my God. They put on a clinic with them things. But let, how did they practice with them things to the point where they could hit something flying? I mean, I was trying to, like, figure this out. How fast do you think a dragon flies? Are you talking about dragonflies or how fast does no. a dragon fly? <laughs> how fast do you think a dragon can fly? Like, how many miles per hour do you think we're talking about? I would give it with how big those ones are and how big their wings are and everything. They're hitting 100 at least. I'm saying, right? Especially with the weight, they have to be hitting over 100 miles per hour. Now, I'm not... I'm not great with weapons. I've been to the gun range. I can't hit a standstill target from 45 feet away with modern technology and in, in, in a pistol. How in the heck were they so surgical with those first four arrows that every single one of them hit them? And then it wasn't until, and then all of a sudden Daenerys dives down straight towards them and all 15 20 of them just miss i don't know like i said it <laughs> obviously you know it, it it was a big moment in the show um it's significantly even even the playing field but once again i there was just some things i was kind of disappointed with um in this episode and that that was definitely one of them like i would a lot liked for them to light off like a hundred of them things, or maybe you know like twenty, twenty-five of them, and yeah, he gets hit by three of them. But for the first first four to just be so surgically precise, I don't know. Like that just seemed crazy to me. Right, you get you get lucky every once in a while, but to get lucky three times in a row, the first two look like they hit the same exact spot on his chest, and then the last one just straight through the neck. And we talked about it, and I was talking about how I think dragons have thicker skin, but clearly they don't. And then at the end of the episode, we see them go to King's Landing to negotiate a surrender, which we know neither party is going to do. And you see all of these giant dragon defense mechanisms, these giant crossbows, and you're like, wow, they're ready. I mean, yeah. It's it's going to be, I mean, the last two episodes are going to be crazy. But just like I mentioned, I mean, I think, yeah, obviously losing that second dragon just significantly evens the playing field. And, I mean, remember, dragons are big. Dragons are loud. You, you see them coming. I mean, what are going to be the battle plans as far as attacking? Like, they, I mean, if they attack at night and somehow the first three get surgically placed into the last dragon. I don't even think I'm going to watch the last episode unless it happens in the last episode. Cause I will be so disappointed because there is no way. Right. You got to have dragons. You have to, you she's the, she's the mother of dragons and now she's the mother of dragon. Well, mother, mother of dragon. Drogon. <laughs> hey, I like that. But yeah, it was, but the was end of the episode, good. I think Tyrion Tyrion's little speech where his speech slash plea to keep Missandei's life 
honestly, I had I had water in my eyes because I thought it was so touching. For him, yeah. for him to go up there knowing how much Cersei wants to kill him. Yeah. And to go up there and say those words and say, I know you're not a monster. I know you love your children. I know you're not this person. You don't have to do this. I don't want to see you die. You're my sister after all. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, that was like a really, really kind of tearjerker moment. Um, and, I mean, Tyrion, the biggest cojones for someone so small in stature. Yeah, seriously. That's probably that why he walked so low to the ground. Made the, because, <laughs> obviously, yesterday was Cinco. So, like I said, I had to throw a little bit of that, that Spanish in there. Yeah, he he definitely does. And then Cersei goes, if you have any last words, Sam. And Masande says Dracarys. And I'm sitting there in the, in my seat, and I'm like, where's the dragon? Where's the dragon? Yeah, where's the dragon, exactly. Saber? Where's the dragon? Where's the I mean, dragon? I think everybody was. I mean, I, was it going to come up behind them? What was going to happen? Like, I mean, obviously it wasn't there. Where was it? So you're thinking like, okay, like this might be it. Like this might be the start. They'll, they'll show, you know, kind of the start of how things go and – and then they're going to follow up in the next two episodes, but it never came, and it never and it never happened. The uh, the actress for Masande actually tweeted in quotes Dracarys, and then she she tweeted after that too and said she said that it meant burn this bish. <laughs> you know what? Who can argue with her at this point? Yep. So Masande's gone, obviously. And... I mean, okay, but let me let me do say like you know like last week I think people complained about like not enough main characters dying in the Great War, but I'm sorry, Masande was was just one too many for me tonight. Like if there was any love story in this world of misery that gave me hope, it was Grey Worm and Masande. <laughs> Especially you know like last week when they talked about you know dreaming of sailing off together, and you know obviously nothing happens as as, as it's planned, but. Man, just watching Grey Worm, like, after seeing his love get beheaded was just soul-crushing for me. Just absolutely soul-crushing. Right, and when, when, they're on the, when they're on the boats and all of a sudden the arrows are pointed at them and he's like, get on the skiff. And he gets to shore and is just looking all over for her. First off, I don't know how they went in and were like, okay, we're scooping Masande. That's it. We're not going to go on this beach where they're all super exhausted from swimming over here and kill them. We're just going to scoop Masande and go back to King's Landing. That confused me. Yeah. No, that that totally confused me because they could have just... I mean, let's just be honest. It, it could have been over right there. It, it really could have. I mean, you would have had Jon Snow in that half of the army, but that half isn't going to do enough. With the Golden no. Company. No, definitely not with the Golden Company and definitely not with just one one dragon now. Right, right. But my favorite tweet, well, come on, I have a lot of favorite tweets. Patrick <laughs> Patrick Mahomes tweeted, hopefully he'll become a friend of the show. He tweeted and said, Grey Worm might take King's Landing by himself next week. So that's yeah. what I think is going to happen. With the rage that man has to be feeling right now, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like the unsullied are supposed to be these people who show no emotion, have no emotion, get no connection. Yeah. This man did everything the opposite. 
He saw Masande in the river bathing, and it was all over for him from there on. I mean, can we blame him? No, definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) Sad to see her go. It was. It was. So we have two episodes left. Do you have any predictions moving forward of of what's going to happen next week? I don't know. I think um, I don't think it's going to be a t- I don't think it's going to be as slow of as episode as this. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of buildup for the last episode. Um, but now, part of me is starting to think um, with just everything that transpired, like we might get um, a big portion of of the last war, quote unquote, um, in this next episode. And I'm excited for it. I mean. I don't know. I, like I said, I think the, the, the playing field is pretty pretty even right now. Um, if only Cersei had those elephants, she might even have the advantage. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, this is the will Daenerys really slaughter thousands of innocents? Um, if she has to. Then, I mean, she does kind of. I mean, what, what other choice does she have? And, and it's like she said, it's like it's really not her slaughtering them. Like, I mean, even though technically it is, it's. It's, I mean, Cersei brought this upon herself. And I don't know. The, and another thing, too, is just the whole Varys um, thing. And, you know, him kind of wanting Jon John Snow um, to, be the, to be the guy now. I mean, what's going to happen with that? And, you know, what's Jamie really riding south for? You know, like, I mean, does he plan... What is he? What is he planning to do? I that that that's kind of just what I'm interested in seeing. So here are my theories of what's going to happen. Jamie is going to be the one who ends up killing Cersei. He's going to strangle her, like the prophecy a, from when she was yeah, younger. Prophesized. I think that happens. Honestly, for me, I want to see them sit on the Iron Throne together, because he doesn't want to rule, but he is the perfect partner for her to keep her in check, to grow, to push each other. And that's key in any relationship. And I think he really does a great job with her. And they're clearly madly in love with each other. And then, I don't think this will happen, but why wouldn't you just take Drogon in the middle of the night and just light up every single one of Euron Greyjoy's ships? Right. Like, sneak attacks weren't something that came about in in the 1800s. There's something that they had way back then. I, d- I do I mean, have to mention one other, yeah. one other tweet that I saw, though. This one what? said, The most unrealistic part of Game of Thrones is giving away your direwolf and not petting him goodbye. Yeah. You could at least boop the snoop, man. Like, seriously. Like, yeah. How are you just going to give away your dog and, like you said, just not pet him, not hug him, not anything? I mean, I have a dog. I know you have three cats. Like, I mean, I... The, I would never give away my dog, but had it come down to it, like, you better believe, like, you know, there'd be a, probably be about a 15, 20 minute hug. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And you definitely got to boop him. He should have booped him and gone, good boy, ghost. You're a 13 out of 10. Yeah, seriously. That's what it should have been. So I guess we'll just have to wait, see where this, this next episode is going to go. I don't think that the last war finishes in this episode because I think if it did and then it was just the figuring out oh who's going to rule the iron throne who's who's not who's going to die because of this I think that would make for a really boring final episode No for sure 
And but like but like I said, I don't think I don't think it will end um, in this episode. But I do think considering it is going to be another 80, 90 minute episode that we will probably see a good portion um, of the last war. Which do I think it's going to end in one night like like it did in the you know in the last episode? Probably not. So I think we got a good portion ahead of us next week um, as far as some action goes. Um, definitely won't be as slow as last week, as this week. Um, um, but, but like I said, I do think it will continue on for a good majority into the last episode as well. And, you know, probably the last maybe 45, 50 minutes, they'll probably figure out all, all the loose ends. I forgot to mention one thing. The one fight I'm looking forward to the most is Sandor Clegane, the Hound, versus Gregor Clegane, the Mountain. <laughs> Oh my, I cannot yeah. wait. I kind of want to see it next week, but I also want to save it for the finale. It's the Clegane Bowl. It has That's... to happen, right? Oh, it's going to happen. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> geez. <laughs> he is gonna, he's going up against an absolute unit. <laughs> it's scary. It's a tank that, that just... He's that not guy alive. Is blue. <laughs> yeah, he's constantly holding his breath. He gets all purple in the face and just keeps it there. <laughs> he is a Smurf on steroids. Like that guy, I don't know, man. I as much as I love the hound, he has a tall task ahead of him. I think it would just be poetic though for him to burn his brother. Kick him into the fire. That's what I say. Although I could see I could see a battle where they both end up dying because of it and that just being justice. Do you do you think that um you know what this is what I can see happening too like you know fire being introduced the hound kind of getting into his own head for a second but all of a sudden just the pure rage um you know and obviously just just how badly like he wants to kill his brother. Like, I think it's, he's just going to overcome and something. And, and eventually, like you said, I think I definitely can see it ending poetically where, you know, the, he, he kills him in the fire. Like, I, I truly think that could happen. I do too. But again, just have to wait and see. That's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you once again, Mitch. Tomorrow we will have sports with both of us. So it's going to get interesting this week. Sports, let's go. Yeah, go sports. Go sports. <laughs> That's the we phrase, That's the phrase that. right? We got a lot to talk about, including the Kentucky Derby, which, oh, man, don't get me started right now. I'll, 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 I'll have my material ready for tomorrow. Perfect. We also got to talk about a four-overtime game that happened over the weekend. Yeah, thanks for calling me and waking me up. You're welcome. I had to make sure you are ready for – for Tuesday's episode. But that will be it for today's episode of The Daily Playbook. Thank you once again for listening. I'm your host, Carl Vogley, joined by my co-host, Mitchell Lang. And we will see you tomorrow. Peace. The ones she had lost And the ones she had found And the ones who had loved her the most the ones who'd been gone for so very long. 
She couldn't remember the names They spun her around on the damp old stones Spun away all her sorrow and pain And she never wanted to leave 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 Never wanted to leave